Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Boston Cannabis Week is meant to be the first week of events in the Northeast dedicated to the cannabis community. And we create really unique and interesting programming all week long. This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Thank you. Another Cannamom Show where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis. And Dave, so I like to talk about Josh because whatever, he's my boy. Yeah. So he did do the intro music. He's a professional musician in Nashville now. And I was on a call with somebody and they commented on my music. Nice. Well, I know. It is it is cool. It is very professional sounding. You wouldn't think it was just your son, but your son is a musician and a star into his own right. Anyway, so there and I sent him the file, so he put it on his playlist. So there, another Josh Lampkin fan. Ba boom. Ching. <laughs> <laughs> Good boy. Um, all right. So besides Josh, it is voting season. And I, of course, encourage everyone listening to vote because there are some very important decisions that are going to be made in November, ranging from, we know, ladies, abortion rights to cannabis legality. And I have seen that there does seem to be some data that Dobbs has um, infuriated enough women so that they might vote and save democracy. But I actually believe cannabis could. Because did you know that cannabis brings out voters? That would make sense to me because it, on, on, bo- on both sides, I take it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, well, no, actually, it's more because basically if cannabis, it's in marijuana moment, I'll put in the show notes, a story about that 
When cannabis is on the ballot, it wins. Oh, okay. Well, then, good. Well, that makes sense. People are passionate about it, obviously. How about all yeah. the guests on your show? <laughs> yes, there's yeah. a lot of us. So yeah. if you're curious, cannabis is on the ballot in Arkansas, Maryland, Missouri, and both the Dakotas, North and South. Wow. <laughs> now, I, I wonder, those sound like, other than Maryland, those sound like red states, but who knows? The, like the, the Dakotas, I think of as red states, but the, they, I also think of as kind of wilderness, earth, earthy, crunchy. I'm clearly stereotyping here, trying to guess which way the but vote's going to go. Uh, but it's earth. Again, like, yeah. okay, so I say cannabis is, is a Venn diagram. It brings progressives and conservatives together because it's healing. And one of the other things it does is it's farming. And I was on a call before about hemp. Right. And that is where the middle of the country. And don't forget our Native Americans who have been using this product to keep our earth safe. And if we want to stay on this planet, we have to get invested in it. So hopefully those people are listening in it. If it causes healing and it healing us, which I talk about a lot, and like healing the earth. Mm. Mm. Yep. And then, of course, I'm in mean, Colorado. Psychedelics are on the ballot because they're always a little ahead of us. Wow. <laughs> Go Colorado. Yep. So it's happening, people. Let's keep the movement going. Uh, we are a movement, cannabis health equity movement, we like to say, and we can save us in so many ways. So to all my sophisticated stoner listeners out there, please vote. Vote early, vote often. Early, real often. Okay. And I was going to talk a little bit about Thailand and cannabis, but I think I'm going to pass that. And before we introduce today's guest, if you'd like to support our mission of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers, Please reach out to our team to learn more because our sponsorship packages for 2023 are open. Excited about that. All right, Dave, we're ready to meet today's guest, yes. another fellow Commonwealth Massachusetts. And what are we? <laughs> yeah, what are we? I'll look that up. What are we? <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Base daters. Okay, today's guest. Today's guest is the co-founder of Boston Cannabis Week, New England's first week of events dedicated to the professional cannabis community. I actually wasn't able to attend this year, but I know it had a focus on education, health, wellness, art, music, networking, sport, fashion, and cuisine. The mission of Boston Cannabis Week is to normalize the idea of cannabis in our communities, and their focus is to connect educators, entrepreneurs, industry leaders, community representatives, media, retailers, and consumers in a unique, engaging, and of course, professional setting. Today's guest is using her expertise, creating virtual and in-person experiences, celebrating cannabis culture, community, and academia, and lifestyle in her role at Boston Cannabis Week, or BCW. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Lisa Finelli Fallon. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. So, so By the way, so Lisa is a fellow base stater. That is actually the preferred term, although... Technically, according to the U.S. government publishing office, it is we are also a Massachusetts Ann, like put A-N at the end. <laughs> but nobody you, nobody says that, right? So, Because again, it would spell Massachusetts. I remember when my kids couldn't, I, one day I asked them, I realized they didn't know how to spell it. I was like, pulled over to the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> they could call it in a test. It's true. Um, all right. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that's the first time anyone's ever said that because I'm originally from New York. So I always oh. get called out for being from New York. It's okay. We welcome you in. I mean, cannabis is changing everything, but we can talk about that a little bit later. Let's just start start right off with Boston Cannabis Week. I know Boston Cannabis Week, we talked about so many different topics. You had everything from golfing 
to expungement. I say from cannabis covers everything from criminal justice to cosmetics, but that's good too. So what sort of, can you just explain a little bit to my listeners what it really is and how they, maybe how the idea was launched? Sure. We, Boston Cannabis Week is meant to be the first week of events in the Northeast dedicated to the cannabis community, like you mentioned. But the idea is that we create really unique and interesting programming all week long. We try to be as accessible to the public as possible. Our education and networking are always free to the public to attend, and we try to keep our ticketed events as low cost. We launched in 2019, uh, and the idea was kind of born out of wanting to create Number one, create something that hadn't been done here before. But back in 2016 is when the idea actually came about. And at the time, I was the booking agent for Hard Rock in Boston. I had oh, started doing. So we could shows. talk about music too. My son. Yeah, <laughs> let's, yeah. Let's talk more about Josh. He loves us when I do this. <laughs> he, he won a Hard Rock when he was like 14. He did like one of those like kid band things. So the whole world, the music world, is fun too. But it's all cannabis. I mean, it's all all kind of mixed up. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> So I, at the time, I started booking a lot of hip-hop artists at Hard Rock in Boston. I had done a show with Redman, and in the VIP, this person came up to me, introduced himself. It's my now co-founder, Scott Botano. And at, at the time, he was working with Mascan and asked if I would book the talent for the 2016 Freedom Rally. Okay. And that year, we did all the fundraising, booked Method Man and Redman for the Freedom Rally for a free show in Boston Common, obviously. And... At that time. And then actually, uh, let's just back up. I was going to ask you a little bit later, but so everyone doesn't know what Freedom Rally is. I, I've talked about it a little bit on the show, but just can you kind of describe what it is to people who aren't in Boston and what it kind of meant to the cannabis community? It's an event <laughs> that takes place on Boston Common every year. Which is a big um, park in the middle of the city. Yeah. A big park in the middle of the city. And they do a big festival over the weekend. I'm not sure if it's still two days or if it's one day now. I think like, that kind of back day now. Yeah, they were angry um, the two days, people. <laughs> Yeah. So now it's down to one day where they have people come in from all over the place to come be a part of the event. And at that time in 2016, I was really mostly responsible for booking the national talent for that. And then we had a few other players on the team that were booking some of the support artists and it went really well. My part- like a bigger sense, like this is Boston, stayed Boston, whatever you think Boston is. This is a park, our central park, basically in Boston, filled with cannabis consumers. And it's just it's this event that has grown over the years and grown over the years. And it turned into this festival, really like a freedom festival, literally. And yeah, it's called the Freedom Rally. Yeah. <laughs> freedom Rally. Anyway, so it's a, it's a unusual event in Boston. I've only been to it once or twice when I first got into this. But so it's kind of the opposite of what people think Boston is. OK, so that's where you started. That was yeah. kind of where it um, began. That, well, that I, I was working, I had a very successful career in the music industry prior to that. So okay. my specialty at the time was booking and event promotions. So I came in and worked with the team to book that show. After that, my partner had said, well, we should be doing like a week of events. We should be doing like a fashion week, but for cannabis. And I loved the idea. And at the time, our partners were not really super interested in that idea. Okay. So we said, let, let's just go do it. So we started conceptualizing in 2016. We launched in 2019 and we just finished up our fourth year. The next year will be mm-hmm. the fifth Boston Cannabis Week. Oh, all right. So, all right. So it was an event kind of like sprung board from the Freedom Rally and 
just to kind of back up, I guess, with you. I so. wouldn't say sprung board from the Freedom Rally. All no, right, I, I, I connect, you connect. You connected with your co. So I only I connected with my co-founder. Okay, at, uh, at the Freedom at Rally. My, no, at oh. Hard Rock. Oh, at Hard Rock. Okay, and then, Hard Rock. okay, and then. But at the time, he was working with Mass Can, so they asked me to book the talent. I haven't okay. worked with the Mass Can or the Freedom Rally since. Okay, but so, okay, that was sort of yeah. your introduction. But just like, let's go back yeah. to your personal story. So you were working in the music industry, but what was sort of your relationship with cannabis, the plant, in terms of maybe your own personal use or fun use, or like, what did you actually believe it I mean, was? I grew up <laughs> in Long Island, so like, it was. I feel like I, I lived in a community where it was always around um and from a young a very young age i had a healthy i wouldn't say distrust but i questioned a lot of the things in our medical and wellness community like mm -hmm. why certain things were were considered okay why other things were not okay and specifically in regard to it was very easy to get a prescription for anxiety medication or things of that nature, but it was much more difficult to get people to understand that there was a side to cannabis that was beyond recreational use. And so I, I had been an app from that point in my life, just like, well, we would allow all these other things. Alcohol is okay. Medication's okay. If this is a form of medication, why is it not okay? So how, um, how old are you when you start like thinking this way or having questions or? Probably 15 or 16. Oh, you were young. Okay. And how did your yeah. parents react? How were they involved? Are they connected or they were like, they, no, they, they no, they, they are. My mother was, was, well, she was a stay at home mother at that time. She had been a bookkeeper at certain times. My father was a tax accountant. They didn't understand what the hell I was talking about. And that's okay. Like they had a different experience with it. Yeah. They were hippies. My father was a hippie in the seventies, I'm sure. And had a different relationship with it, but he, you know, spent his life working and that was never a part of, he was never a big party or later in life. So like th th there was no understanding in that respect but that's that's okay like that's what you expect from you know generation and to it's generation. An, again i grew up i believed it was dangerous killed brain cells it was i had an yeah. epiphany my kids are teenagers they were so it's it's hard to change right. people's minds this story is very embedded in our lives and we don't even know why so all right so right. you're a young questioning person your parents aren't engaged or whatever in this world but you know you're moving forward and then we're you using it for health and wellness do you think or do you using it for um what how do you think you're how are you, why were you accessing it? Were you shameful? Was there any like shame or concern? Well, I think going into college specifically, like I went to a school where it was a very big part of, of life. And I think when I was in college, it was, I, I started to kind of expand upon that thinking a little bit of why are all these other things okay? And this one particular, it's a plant. I don't understand. It comes from the earth, which doesn't right. make sense. But I started connecting with more like-minded in individuals that in college. Mm -hmm. So I was in, in my early twenties when I started realizing like, oh, there are people who think the same way I do. It wasn't so much at a young age that I was consuming to that extent. But when I had gotten a little bit older, I had, a, I had a several surgeries on my jaw. So I started like understanding the pain management aspect of things, but it was much, uh, it was easier to understand kind of uh, later in life that I, I was not uh, solo in my thinking. I think that's key. That's actually huge, especially for women. And I kind of tell a story uh, my co-host, my first year co-host, Amy was a regular consumer, always getting in trouble her whole life for being on the pot, whatever. But when she did consume, it was very isolated with her, maybe one or two friends. It was very closed off. So they were always alone. And then we went to a woman in cannabis event conference in 2019. And she just met women who were consuming cannabis all day long. We're just like her. We're not just like, okay. They were like literally excelling 
And it's kind of eye-opening when you're, when you're not alone anymore in it, it changes your perspective on this. And I mean, I think that was intentional that you isolate people so they don't know that's, but that's why we're sharing these stories because we're going to change the narrative. Right. All right. So you're, so you have a normalized relationship with cannabis and then you're in the music industry. And so then Boston Cannabis Week. So you're, how did the first year go? How did things happen and were people receptive? And was the city like, did you ever get, per- like, how did that work in terms of like connecting with the city government or anything else to, or businesses? So we, year one was obviously a crapshoot. We didn't know how it was going to be received by the community. It wasn't how it is now. None of the, there weren't nearly as many dispensaries and the ones that were, were not putting marketing dollars to a first year event. Right. So it, it, it was wildly different than where we are right now in terms of partnerships and sponsorship and that kind of, thing. but it, it went well. We did, we started off with five events over the course of the week and they were all really well received. We were featured in Rolling Stone year one for our work in social <laughs> equity in Massachusetts. Like it was crazy that we started getting like really great notoriety for well, what we were doing. Acknowledging it. Yeah. So you weren't, all right. So you were being supported. You weren't being like, yeah, it's yeah. it's still wildly different than it is now, though, okay. because just at the magnitude of how many people are involved now and yeah. the partners and sponsors and vendors. We had a very strong musical lineup year one as well for our music festival. Mm-hmm. We had Lupe Fiasco headline, Bia, Slane. It was a really great lineup. Lisa Bello, Marcella Cruz, Jeannie Santiago, The Devil's Tw- No Hugs. But then be literally the next day, Rihanna was tweeting about her. So we had like the, the like last Boston booking before she was like Bia, which was awesome for me because coming from the music community, that's like everything you hope for, you that's know, like to be as part of someone's tra- you know, trajectory <laughs> like that. Um, and just and you're part of her story. It. That's amazing. All right. So, yeah. all right, so it started off. In a small off- way, yeah. Yeah, so you are. We're a little, that's how we keep connected. Yeah. That's how we change the story. Right. All right. So it's much bigger now. So do you want to talk about, I don't know, how did you decide on which events to keep going or to, to you know, in, endorse, like whether people coming to you were the ideas or were the things you were reaching out to people and maybe talk about like who attended, like really what was the range of people who showed mm-hmm. up for the week? You know, it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of like, let's see what works. Let's see what doesn't. We've now expanded this year. We hosted 12 events over the course of the week. So now we do multiple events on on the same day. We do a lot of partnerships where we're doing events at different locations. Can you just sort of, I said, I noticed, I noticed those like golfing expungement things, but can you just talk about maybe some of the different things that you started maybe you didn't think would be really well attended, but were really popular or some other. Our, our golf tournament is consistently, it was sold out a month before this year, which right. is incredible. Um, that event was something that my, my partner, Scott Patano had pushed for. He said, business happens on the golf course. I knew nothing about that. And I was like, all right, well, let's, let's, so so that's I, I, really went to, well. I went to a women's golf event. I'm telling it's a strange combination, but yep. <laughs> And our industry mixer has done exceptionally well. It's consistently at capacity. We go into bigger venues every single year. This year was at Studio B at Big Night Live, which is really exciting. Last year, we launched Fashion on Fire, and we did it again this year. And it was a success. It's a fashion and, and glass art gallery. We work with, we have an amazing team on the BCW side that pulls in artists and, and creatives from around New England to showcase their fashion and glass. Wow. So um, where was that? Actually, where was that being shown? That was at Warehouse this year. Wow. So you're getting, you're all over, you're in different areas of Boston too. 
Yeah, we so all the events are in. Well, we we jump around to as many uh, venues as we can within reason. So the golf tournament has typically been held in Methuen, Massachusetts. It's the only one that's really outside Boston. All the other events are Boston, Somerville, Cambridge, Hyde Park, wherever we can keep things within the vicinity of Boston. We try to. Have you had any communities push back that you want to go have an event at? Not well. We had some complications this year with our festival venue. They started closing down a lot of the events that they were having there. Mm. So then it took a little bit to move things forward, but it ended up all, you know, coming together at the the end. That was the first time we experienced that kind of thing. And actually now I'm working on the venues right now for 2023. And I'm having more people ask upfront about the cannabis inclusion part of it, which is new, but I'm always happy to have the conversation because it means they're curious and they're asking. That's interesting. So are you having events that are they like I went to the I went to one golf event. There's a, it was a it was a private golf club and there's consumption on the, at the event. And I have that's actually the only consumption event I've actually been to. That's normal, whatever. So what, yeah. what are you doing when you're going to these events? What's the expectation? I mean, in theory, in New York, you get to smoke cannabis anywhere you smoke. So you can't yeah. smoke cigarettes very many places in Massachusetts. I don't know how they do deal right. with it here. But what's what sort of the experience you're having when you're trying to get when you're getting a site? So, like, what's their expectation of you? Social consumption is not a thing here yet. It will come online. There, we're getting to the point where the municipalities will be able to allow it to happen. So you'll be able to file for the license. And the first municipality, I believe, is going to be Somerville. Um, oh, it is? But yeah, <laughs> as far as I know, the last I checked, Boston was, they didn't want to do consumption. But I must check on that because I haven't checked on a minute. So things could have changed with the most recent legislation. It's kind of an interesting conversation because I grew up in the era where everyone smoked cigarettes. Like you came home from a club and you smelled like cigarettes. It was just a thing. That's how right. it was. And right. then we banned it everywhere, like literally everywhere. Right. And now I want to I want to smoke a joint somewhere. But I'm like, literally, there's <laughs> nowhere to smoke it. Well, it's so weird. You know, people... <laughs> If you're hosting cannabis events, people will find a way. I don't need I to provide a location for them to consume. They know what to do, where to go on their own before they even get there. That's true, so, but it should be part, I don't know. I just keep as a middle-aged lady who likes things to be sort of clear and don't really want to be hiding behind a building with my friends and a stoop, whatever. I would like to be going yeah, to events. Yeah, it, yeah, but in the city, of, in the state of Massachusetts, what's the worst that can happen? They're going to issue a fine for public consumption and I haven't really yeah. heard of that being done. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. Not that we should ignore any of the legislation at all. It's very important to have an understanding of what exactly is legal and not legal, especially when you're hosting events. Exactly. Right now, we're it, it's it, I'm, I'm seeing so many events that are kind of more underground focus popping up and they're promoting consumption. And I'm going like how some of the venues, it makes sense and some of the venues, it doesn't. Um, yeah specifically when you have like the regulations around dispensaries are so rigid and what can happen there and what's allowed. So I think for me, it's, it's educating the public, but it's also educating myself. I'm learning like everybody else. So as things are moving forward, I have to keep educating myself and what's allowed or what's been regulated and not. Yeah. It's whatever. It changes really quickly. Just like what people perceive is changing really quickly. And if you meet anyone who says they're an expert, they're lying because it's like literally changing on a regular basis. So you have to be, if you're going to be connected to this industry and people are going to be advising or consulting on any level, they have to stay on top of this on a sort of, I mean, it's, it's, you have to have a specialist. That's what I say. Everything in cannabis is specialized. We have everything the real world has. So that's where you are. Okay. Um, okay. So just, so it's a lot of different events, like who attended, who was there? Like, 
Was it all we, day, like family? What did you see during the day or during the night or how long were these events going? So most of our events, we do really well in the adults, like 25 to 44 category. We tend to skew not, not much older, but just based on the content to some of the events, we seem to do really well 20s and 30s. And, and we have, which is great because we're looking at folks that um, are working, probably have more disposable income to attend some of the dispensaries and, and be consumers. We have a high population of canicurious people who yeah. are just getting back into the community or have never been before. And we welcome them with open arms, obviously, and do what we can. This year, like with our education, we had an expungement clinic and things of that nature. And I think that's opening up the doors for more people to look at us as an information source, which is a great thing. So whatever yeah, we can agreed. do to help disseminate information in the community, we would love to be a part of. And I think I, I think our audience is ever changing. I think every year we get bigger and bigger. Our attendees get bigger. Our social media gets bigger. We had approximately 5,000 attendees for the week this year, which is fantastic considering where we started. And most of them, we are, are the events at the end of the week are the largest and have the most attendees. And then the golf tournament's always wildly attended. So is the mixer, but like those events are 144 golfers. They're not, you know, for thousands of people where Friday and Saturday we're catering to thousands of people at a time. Are you doing anything with family and cannabis or kids and moms or any of that kind of world? Work? So as part of our ongoing uh, virtual education, last year we did a cannabis positive parenting panel. We had one night to talk to the moms, one night to talk to the dads. Smart. about their perspective and cannabis. And this year as part of our education, we had a panel that was moderated by Mika Brown. It was incredible about yeah. uh, cannabis and pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And we just keep- she's, she's a tough cookie. I just heard her talking the other day, like what she's gone through. So yeah, she's good. She knows, she knows yeah. her stuff and you should listen yeah. to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's awesome. So she's been a great friend of mine for many years. So yeah. Um, she did a wonderful job with this cannabis and pregnancy panel from uh, a nurse's perspective, from a mother perspective, from a, a herbalist and wellness perspective. Yeah. So it was such a great conversation to have. We are parents, all the almost all the people who run Boston Cannabis Week and are a part of it are parents. So it's yeah. important that we keep discussing that. Plus, it's it's nice to have the support of peers to figure out how to talk to your kids about it. Because we never had that. We lived in a different world where it was like, it was bad. Don't do this. It was bad. It's going to kill yeah. your brain cells. And that now that we have all the information, we have to figure out a way to use it in a way that's positive and, and honest, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of saying to our kids, don't do this, because that's going to almost 100% of the time yield the opposite result. The there needs to be an explanation of, well, you shouldn't do this until you're older. And this is why, because your brain's still developing and you don't want to do anything to, to allow your brain development to not fully function and but, allow but again, just like, not even so much. I think the conversation is just that moms are normalizing it. Parents are normalizing it again. Right. I'm 57. I was a lawyer. I could literally be running around my, you know, office saying i'm going to the liquor store before i pick the kids up at daycare and no one would care it wouldn't even be an you know <laughs> but if i put into the parking lot and smoked a joint i would have been arrested so it's whatever we've yeah. normalized and i understand now i was not a cannabis consumer when they were little i would have been a better parent i would have been more present i would have been nicer to them and alcohol was not really helping me but it helped me 
that moment of decompression to go from professional to parent was really hard. And I see how it could have helped me in a way that I was, I didn't understand. So again, there shouldn't be shame in this. You want to be a good parent. You have to be a good caregiver to yourself. And this plant is a caregiver. This is the other thing I talk about all the time that she's a caregiver. We are the caregivers. This is a plant that the industry should be owned by us, but it should be built in her image. The idea that she's not dangerous. She's helping us take care of ourselves so we can take care of others and the world like hemp and all that stuff. So I don't know. I don't know how you shift the narrative, but it's like, I think it's just moms just using it and their kids being like, whatever, it's mom's medicine. They don't care. It's just so normal. Yeah. They don't even give a shit. <laughs> it's, it's part of, you know, ongoing discussion and conversation. I heard yeah. an interview the other day with, I forgot exactly who it's, who it was with, but the person being interviewed had a massive, owned several dispensaries in college and they were talking to her about being a parent. And they said to her, do you have shame around consuming while your children, while you're around, not in front of the children, but at the same time you're caring for the children. And she looked at the interviewer and said, would you ask that to a mom who's having a glass of wine in front of her kid? And the answer was, yes, of course, because nobody bats an eye. You go anywhere and moms will be standing there all with glasses of wine. Proudly. But <laughs> and, and not even think anything of it. And it's totally acceptable. But if there were five moms standing in a, in a circle with all mm -hmm. joints in their hand, it would be a massive problem. A lot of judgment. So again, to the story that's wrong, like I literally think the transparency of women like you and me and Mika and all the other cannon moms across the world, around the country who are being, are healthy. This is the ideal kind of world to be in. People who are healthy, women who use cannabis are intentionally healthy. They're trying to heal themselves. And now they're business and industry leaders. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're raising the next generation who are just going to yeah. be normalized. And it's not going to be something scary. And I don't know. It doesn't solve every yeah. problem. But the idea that it's been hidden and scaremongered for so long has to stop. It just has to be part of what we offer human beings to keep themselves in balance. Right. And, and I have to say, I wouldn't classify myself as proponent to force people to try it. I think you should feel comfortable to try it if you think it will help you. Exactly. And there shouldn't be shame about that. And exactly. it's, it's, you shouldn't feel embarrassed or any of those things. So I'm, I'm an advocate for the freedom to choose what you feel is best for yourself. Amen. Whatever. Everyone, it's this idea of freedom, people. Freedom isn't forcing other people to believe what you believe. Freedom right. is being allowed to have your own beliefs. So. Right, right. In this, the freedom. And, you know, <laughs> we're not gonna, we're not gonna get on. I don't want to get on any type of soapbox, but there are parts of the world where women are not allowed to say these things mm -hmm. right now. So it's kind of I consider it our jobs as women living in a place where we're not going to get arrested for saying these things. So that we have to say these things. We have to keep talking yep. about it. We have to, you know, I communication is key. We have to keep talking. We have to keep talking to one another. We have to share information. I believe it's really important. I believe what you were saying earlier about taking care of our earth, our home. We, we do compost. We do tons of recycling. We reuse things as much as, you know, we possibly can. And it's important. And sometimes, like, people come to my house and they're like, don't you have regular paper towels? I'm like, well, we do, but I prefer to use the cloth napkins so that I can just wash when we're done. So it's important and it all ties in for sure.
It does. We can all do what we can do. Uh, There's a big, unknowable, scary, weird world. I have no idea how we're going to fix it. But if we each try each day to do something good, I think that's the best way we can move forward, which is what I like about cannabis because it's kind of hopeful. All right. It is hopeful. It's not kind of hopeful. It's hopeful. So what are your plans? What are you doing for Boston Cannabis Week? When is it next year? Are you doing stuff in yep, between? Tw- like, how does that work? 2023. Okay. Um, so we will, the Boston Cannabis Week always falls in the third week of September. Um, so right now we are, I'm actually in the process of confirming our venues and getting that all locked in for next year. Are you going to be going any other part? I know it's Boston Cannabis Week, but are you going to other parts of the state at all? Like Worcester, we are. Say cannabis? We're not necessarily. Well, yes, we will be doing mm-hmm. things around the state as well. And this year we have a number, number of other events that we're going to be hosting throughout the year. One of them is going to be announced in just a few weeks. So we are working on Boston Cannabis Week 2023, but we're going to have other things happening throughout. And so people can follow us on socials to stay up to date on what we have going on. But it'll all always be everything thing leads up to September. So whatever we do throughout the year is kind of a roll up to all the other things. Awesome. So Lisa, (laughs) if actually I was going to ask you, you still involved with music or you really just sort of cut back to so yeah, we were the company that I was running before Boston Cannabis Week was Experience Creative. And towards the end of COVID, I kind of shut that business down because there I just couldn't didn't want to do well, there was no venues to book right. smaller shows anymore. Right. And really at this point, all of my efforts go into Boston Cannabis Week and that brand. So we will do occasionally we'll have clients hire us to do talent booking for their events and then the, I would kind of jump into that role again or promotions or social media marketing things right. like that but no outside of that like it's it's really all VCW and we now do have a booking agent and a team that kind of focuses on all the talent and what we're doing this year so it's it's I'm not even in the same role I was year one where I was I started off booking the talent we now have a, a team and specifically our booking agent Ned Welberry handles that that's, well, if you're looking for a guitar player in Nashville, I know one. I can send back up home. <laughs> Got I know it. smokes cannabis because I've seen him do it on stage. What's the best way to connect with you, Lisa? Um, if you want to reach out to you, they want to connect with the Boston Cannabis Week. If you want to reach out to Boston Cannabis Week, you can email info at bostoncannabisweek.com and you can follow uh, Boston Cannabis Week at Boston Canna Week on Facebook and at Boston Cannabis Week on Instagram. And that'll all be on the show notes because it always is. Thank you so much for joining us today and uh, reach out, connect with her. I'm looking forward to next year. I'm going to be around. So thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So again, that's another show. So for my guests and my Canna bro, David Jazz, and of course our Canna mom show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna mom show where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing, preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. 
Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.